So yeah, I tell you, it's really good um, to be here amongst you. Um, of course, I'm seeing only um, half of your face, but I trust that you're all there. And for those who are watching online, shalom as well. So today, I am trying to restrain myself from any more lame jokes because I understand that, you know, when you laugh, you send more droplets into the air, which is not following the protocol. So, okay, so relax. We're starting a new series today, and it's actually a continuation of the previous series. What was the last series? Exodus 1, Breaking the Circuit. Today, we're starting on Exodus 2, Settling into the new normal. You say, wait, wait, I thought we've done all the Exodus chapters we need to do because they were already out, right? Israel has come out from Egypt. They were like delivered. Why do we still have another series on it? Actually, we only touched on the, up to Exodus 15. There's still 25 more chapters. So basically, God did not just want to set free a people. He wanted to set free a people not to be free agents. He wanted to set free a people so that they can enter into their promised land and so that they could be a redeemed people, a people whom God has chosen to be His restored images, to represent Him to the nations around. And so because they came from, out from a slave mentality, they were not really ready to assume their new position as the people of God. All right? So... I don't know about you, but uh, when, we, when we first started as a Christian, right, as a believer, it was very smooth. Everything was very easy. The moment I just, you know, think of something, I have a need, next week I would get, I would get it. For example, when I first came to, to the church and I had this service, then when I went back, I said, I, need, I need, needed to know about this God. And so I prayed in my heart, not even verbally, you know, because I was a young Christian. I didn't know how to properly pray. So I prayed in my heart, Lord, I want to get to know you. I wish I had a Bible. Simple, right? Next Sunday, I came to church. Somebody came to me. said, hey, Ming Zhang, maybe you need a Bible. You know, it was, that, it was that good. It was that quick. But by and by, that thing went, became a trickle. You know, that the request I came before the Lord, that I had before the Lord, it was not so swiftly answered. What was God doing? God was inviting me into a journey of getting to know who this God is. That He was not just a genie giving me everything I needed, but He needed me to know about Him. And so, Israel at this time, they needed a, what, a spiritual boot camp. You know? Or rather, a spiritual reboot camp. They needed to, to unlearn some of the things they learned when they were in Egypt so that they could relearn and learn a new thing. See, for us today, what is it called? We call this process, settling into the normal, new normal, the process of discipleship. You know? right? And when you read Peter, uh, not Peter, Paul, when you read Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, he says this, he said, now these things happened to them, Israel, as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so what they went through becomes, uh, they become instructive for us today. See, because we also will embark on this same journey of discipleship. So the first lesson that they needed to learn and we need to learn is the lesson that God is our provider. And therefore, today's sermon title is Fresh Provision. And those of you watching online, you just type them, fresh. Okay? So how did God teach this lesson? God taught this lesson by impressing upon them uh, this truth through a series of tests. How many of you, of you like tests? You like tests? Nobody. 
You know, today there's ART, RRT, FET, PET. What is the T? What is the T? Test, right? We all go through tests. And some tests are actually quite important. For example, you want to drive. What kind of test do you go through? You want to fly a plane. What kind of flying test? So I hope that you get flying colors on that. For us driving, we can only have driving colors. So God brings us to tests. Why? Okay, eh? the big idea. Yahweh tests our faith to reveal something, to reveal our trust or the lack of it in Him. Okay, so tests come upon us so that we, we know if we know whether we have actually uh, mastered a particular subject. So God wants us to test, wants to test uh, our faith to reveal whether we really truly trust in Him. And the lesson, um, you know, that God wanted to teach them was basically, I mean, sad to say, in the beginning of the journey that Israel took right, right after the Red Sea, that journey was littered by one thing only, you know. They didn't know much to do, but there was one thing that the Israelites were very skillful in doing, and that was grumbling. So from the end of chapter 15, the whole of chapter 16, and the beginning of chapter 17, all they did was grumble. And so God took the grumbling and made it into a lesson plan. Right? It's not like us. We don't grumble much, right? Right? Nobody grumbles here. Actually, we do. There's one thing we, we like to grumble. We, we go into a new place and say, hey, how come no Wi-Fi? You know, why no Wi-Fi? Or the, why, why the Wi-Fi is so weak? So maybe just one thing. But you do, you know, grumbling, complaining, and, you know, the overall discontentment is really what they are really symptoms of a deficiency in our faith. So when we begin to grumble, that means something, you know, we're not, uh, either it's onset by a certain fear or a certain uh, uh, misinformation about God, but really, it's about something, there's something deficient in our faith, in our trust in God. And so the first lesson, as we look at, first, uh, as we look at Exodus 15, the first lesson was this, that, it, that Israel must learn in this place called Mara and Elim, that God was this God, that He was the Lord who was their healer. And God Himself said that, I am the Lord, your healer. Chapter 15, verse 22 to 27. If you're watching, you can just type, our healer. God is our healer. Verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. Listen, eh? Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. But when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them. So realize what is happening. Unlike Moses, who had spent already 40 years in the wilderness, Israel's this is first foray into the wilderness. They have never been there. And so there were some concerns they had. Okay? So all the grumblings in these three chapters centered on one thing. It's either food or drink. Right? Just one thing, bare necessities. Okay, just want to check. How many of you really enjoyed the fasting and prayer the last two weeks? Yeah? One, two? Okay, how many of you didn't enjoy it, but you actually complained about it and grumbled? 
Huh? It's okay. This message is for you. <laughs> so the test, what was the test? The test was whether they, they, they understood God's intentions for them. So, all right, they've been traveling three days. But three days would be like, you know, it, it's, it's not that they didn't have drink, but three days they couldn't discover a new place, new spring. There was no new water hole for them because after three days, they said, oh, you know, our water is running. Uh, it, it's, it's going. We don't have enough but they couldn't find a new spot. But suddenly, lo and behold, they stumbled upon Mara. So Mara actually brought their hopes up, you know, like, wow, finally, water. And so they went and talked the first. What happened? You know, they said, well, this is undrinkable. This is bitter. And so that was when their first grumbling happened. Right? They came to um, Moses. Why did they come to Moses and ask, hey, what shall we drink? You see, because verse 22 said, Moses made Israel set out. After seeing how the Egyptians, you know, were drowned in the sea and they were on the opposite side, they were like, wow, so happy. They sang a great song of victory to the Lord. And after that, they thought they would just stay there forever. But then as the cloud moved, they had to move. And so it was Moses who made them set out. And so he said, you are the one to be blamed, you know. Because we were doing fine, we had... The sea, we could have all the water, but now you've brought us three days into the wilderness and there's no water. What shall we drink? And so in response to Moses' cry to God, help! God showed him a log or a tree, and after which he threw the log into the water. The water became sweet, suitable for consumption. Now, if only our government discovered what this tree was, right? Producing new water would be sort of quick and painless and maybe cheaper, Okay, so the lesson, the lesson of trust they needed to learn. Verse 26. He said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And so God gave a promise, but God also gave condition. What's the condition? The condition is this. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, this is parallel with the next line. Give ear to his commandments. That's the same thing. And do that which is right in his eyes, which is the same as keep all his statutes. Now, this is a way of call, we call parallelism, where you know they use the different words to describe the same thing to emphasize a point. You know, that they really needed to hear diligently the voice of God and obey him. Why was this important? Because now they're under new management. There's a new boss and God is boss. God is the new ruler. And whatever they follow in the past, already, you know, they got the change because God is saying, I'm now the Lord. Okay, follow diligently my voice. Do what I tell you to do. And then the promise, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord, your healer. So in this promise, God said two things, you know that Yahweh is sovereign. I put on the Egyptians the diseases. It's I who put on. But I put none, it's also me. You know, right? Both things, he has power to control both. Diseases and no diseases. That's God. But secondly, he says, I am the Lord, your healer. And that word healer means restorer. He's the restorer of things that have been taken. He's the teacher, the binder of things that are broken. He's the redeemer of things that are lost. You know. He is our healer. Notice, he didn't say that I'm the one who's going to heal the water. I'm your healer. 
So God is saying, I'm not just here. That was a demonstration of how I can turn bitter things to sweet. But I'm not just interested in turning bitter things to sweet, you know, or changing bitter situations or circumstances or bitter experience into sweet. I'm here to make bitter people to be sweet people. I'm here. I'm your healer. That's the nature of God. And so to solidify this truth that he was their healer, he gave them a treat. You know. He gave them a, sta- a, a staycation, a retreat. Verse 27. So from that experience of Mara, still had no water, right? Then they came to Elim. And where? There were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. So what is God saying by giving them this treat? God is saying that even in the desert, right? Even in this God-forsaken place, I am here. And my desire has always been to be with my people. And even in this uh, desert, you can find an, an oasis of my presence. What does the 12 remind you of? The 12 tribes of Israel. What about 70? The 70 reminds us of the 70 from Jacob's household that went into Egypt. So what God is saying is this. If you were to listen to my voice, diligently walk in my way, keep my words, you know, nobody will be missed out. Everybody will reap the blessings of my presence, even though it is a very God-forsaken place, even though in a place of nothing, you know. What was God trying to tell them? What was God trying to teach them? God was trying to teach them that they needed to get out uh, from their fear of scarcity. And if you've been a slave, right, you are living hand to mouth, and you're, you're always fearful that there will be not enough. Not enough. And so it's, it's like us. Before we became a Christian, we might have experiences in this world, right? And sometimes these experiences are bitter experiences. You may have your high hopes on this. Maybe it's a course that you're taking. Maybe it's a profession that you've entered. Maybe it's a relationship that you thought, you know, would give you what you needed. But when you actually bit into it, it was bitter, you know? Because what the world offers to you is very, very uh, tempting, but there's always a bitter aftertaste. Because there is really no free lunch. And if you come from that mentality, you'll always be afraid. Right? Now I'm a Christian. Uh, What happens? Uh, you, You fear that you don't have enough again. And you fear that everything at the end may look promising, but will be marah. It will be bitterness again. But remember the words of Paul. He said, if anyone... It's in Christ. He or she is a new creation. You see, the old, the old expectation, the old way of living has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What's the new? That God is our all-sufficiency. He is our healer. He wants to heal us. He wants to change all the negative into positive experiences because He can. He didn't just come to change and turn uh, bitter water around. He came to change people who had bitter experiences so that they would now have sweet experiences in Him. He came to deliver us from our pain, our brokenness, things that we had lost and things that were taken from us because He's our healer. So that's the first thing we must learn, that the Lord is our healer. Trust God. Trust that He is able and is all-sufficient to transform our bitterness and to free us from the fear of scarcity. That's the first lesson. Okay? So they are moving on now. Second lesson they have to learn. The second lesson was at the wilderness of sin. They need to learn to trust God when Yahweh said, I am the Lord, your God. Chapter 16, verse 1 to 36. Those of you following online, just type in, our God. 
God or God. You know? Verse 1, They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. So when you look at the word sin, it's not an English word, so you don't think they actually went there to sin. No, they didn't. It's just a name, something akin to Sinai, right? Almost the same. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, he's telling us now that they have been away since the exodus. Now it's four to six weeks after that. So they're still wondering, right? Verse 2, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you would have brought us out of for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So this was the test. Now they were getting hungry. Okay? They had their water and, and they had to move on. They could have stayed on in Elim, but Moses said, We need to move on, move on because the cloud is moving. We need to move. And so now they were afraid. Four to six weeks, you know, food was getting depleted. And so where, where are they, they going to get new food? You see, for us, if I'm a father and a, or, or a, a husband, right, we, we can go by with maybe, you know, not a meal here, a meal there, but to, to look at our kids uh, or our spouse or our grandchildren starving, that would not be a nice sight to behold. And so they, they, do have, they do have a valid reason to come before uh, Moses and Aaron. But the Bible tells us they actually turn out in force, you know, to complain. He said, if the Lord, Moses, if the Lord intended to kill us, uh, why didn't he kill us while we were in Egypt having our stomachs full, you know? They're now here in the wilderness with empty stomachs. So somehow in their mind, they, could, they, think, they thought that, you know, it was better to be a stuffed but dead Israelite than a starving living one outside, you know? Somehow they thought that was better. You know? So the Lord promised them. He said, okay, verse 4a, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. So what was the Lord doing? The Lord was giving them uh, a free pass, you know, all you can eat buffet. You just have to gather every day. I'm going to rain bread from heaven. You gather every day and you eat to your heart's content. But there were two conditions. First, you know, you cannot leave anything overnight. If you leave them overnight, it will spoil. So did they follow? No, they didn't. Verse 4b, uh, the Lord said, uh, you know, I will give you this, that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. Verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses and some left part of it till the morning, overnight, and what happened? It bred worms and stank. You know. So a simple instruction, eat all you want, but eat it within that day. Don't keep it for tomorrow. It will not last. But did, did they obey? No, they didn't. Second thing God said, he said, okay, I'm going to institute further down the road a Sabbath on this day to commemorate that God rested after creation, that you are to observe a day of Sabbath, no work. And so on this day, you're not to gather any food. No, no bread from heaven, no manna will be given. But the day before, you will gather two portions, right? Enough for two days. So that on Friday, you gather two portions. Saturday, you don't have to go out. You will still have enough for the, for the day. Did they follow? Did they obey? No, they didn't. Verse 27, 28. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. Of course, they found none because God said there would be none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you, you know, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? How long? So God said, I will give, but you must listen to the uh, 
uh, my, my commands. You must listen, observe my instructions. What was the Lord trying to tell them? What was the Lord trying to teach them about their trust? Verse 11, 12. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So he's telling them, if you, if you are to continue in my divine provision, bread, you know, from heaven, if you were to continue in my divine provision, you have to, get, you have to know who I am. You've got to know who I am as your God. I'm not like any God. I'm the Elohim of Elohim. I'm a God who is holy. I'm a God who is distinct and different. And so my people must be distinctive in the way they live. You know. They must obey me as their God. And so out of this, God said, okay, I need you to commemorate this. So there was this testimony that was done. Verse 32 to 34. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness which, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Verse 33, And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, okay, put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. Now this was also looking forward. This was the time when the tabernacle would be up or the temple. And in the tabernacle or the temple, there will be this place called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Testimony was to be placed. And in this Ark of the Testimony, there were two items. One item was this jar of manna. And miraculously, this jar of manna, the manna never spoiled, you know, all through the generations. So it was divine. God kept it to do something. What was God's intention? God knew that one day... <laughs> When Israel, you know, when they were happily in the land of Canaan, happily in the promised land, when they became prosperous, they would forget the God who gave them manna when they had nothing. You know. It's easy, right? It's easy for us. When we had nothing, we cried out to God. And then God showed, showed up and He gave us, He supplied our need. And then, you know, after that, you know, we've got, gotten used to that or we've taken God for granted. Or we have resource to certain things, you know, and we don't need God anymore. And we forget that God was the one who was there for us when we had nothing. So the question we ask on this point, I am the Lord your God. The question I want to ask, is the Lord your God now, today? Is the Lord your God? He said, yes, Pastor. You know, Pastor John was the one who baptized me two years ago. I said, okay, is that proof that he is your God today? Oh, I can show you the certificate. He really baptized me two years ago. But that's not the question. The question is, is he currently your God? You know? Is he? Jesus said huh, in John 6, 48 to 51, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And Jesus is literally talking about this bread. He said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. He's talking about himself. So that one may eat of it and not die. See, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of, my, of the world is my flesh. So Christ is the original bread talk. Or, or bread walk, you know. He was really the bread that talked, you know. So as Christ 
disciples, we really have an access to spiritual nourishment that will last forever. Jesus is not just talking about physical, he's talking about something more than physical. But we are so quick, so quick to be satisfied by earthly things that we, you know, we let go. Jesus said elsewhere when he counted Satan. Satan said, you know, you've been fasting for 40 days, turn this stone into bread. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every, what? Every word, you know, that comes from the mouth of God. So what is Jesus saying to Satan? He said, you know, you tempt us by wanting us to be quickly, happily satisfied by the material things, by the physical, earthly things. But really the thing that satisfies us forever is the thing that comes from God, the words that come from God. And so in this test, God is testing them. Do you live by my word or do you live by your stomach? Which is more important to you? And that's the question. The question is, is God, is the Lord your God now? Okay, so phrase it another way. Are you listening to his voice and to his word now? Because it's not about the material, it's about whether you're listening to the voice of God and obeying him now. See, some people said to say, we are living on stale manner, manner that has, you know, spoiled. And we're living on that. I don't know how many of you actually would like to have a, like a big meal on the weekend, like a huge big meal on the weekend, right? And then eat nothing for the rest of the week. How do you like that? You happy with that? You know, that's kind of like what happens when we come on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and we get a feasting of the Word of God, right? But for the rest of the week, we're just subsisting, you know, it's less, less than existing. Subsisting on that Word that was shared last weekend. Is that saying that, oh, you are my God? No. I think it's very clear. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Lord daily. Why do you want stale food when you can have fresh daily manna every day of your life? You see, so if you've been existing on stale manna, the promises of yesterday or the experiences, even spiritual experiences of yesterday, it will not be enough when something like a COVID hits us, when something like a pandemic hits us, you know, just to have uh, some stale messages that you remember or some feel-good messages, they will never be enough to satisfy or sustain you in your journey. You know, you will quickly give up because you don't have enough for today. You are living on the past. And God wants to tell us, you cannot allow the past to determine your present, your present reality. God wants to give you fresh manna every day. Amen? So, is the Lord your God? You've got to answer that. Is He your God? now or was he your God before the third lesson they had to learn as they move on you see it would be easy and nice right this is the start of their journey if they could document their journey with victories after victories every place they went went to right it was a cause for celebration but no every site they went through right every site that was documented was another reason another cause for more and more grumbling you know so the third lesson was at this place called Massa and Meribah. And they need to learn about Yahweh, that he was the Lord who was among them. He said, I am the Lord who is among you. Chapter 17, verse 1 to 7. Those of you online, just you know, type there, among us, God is among us. So what's the test? Verse 1 to 3. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages 
according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Again, no water. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So it's not just grumble and complain. A new word has come, quarrel. And this word shows us how things have, have escalated. Now it was not just talk. You know, now they were getting aggressive. Now they were ready to pounce on poor Moses. And it's, always, it's, it's never easy for leadership, right? especially uh, spiritual leadership. When you want to issue commands, you are at the back end of receiving complaints. And the complaints are the same. Like this, they're always grumbling about food or drink. Notice Moses said this. He said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You know? So the, they turn the tables on testing now. Not God testing them, they are testing God. In what way were they testing God? Moses said, look, didn't you guys learn anything you know, from the moment when you were in Mara to at Elim in the wilderness of sin? Didn't you learn something there? Didn't you learn that God is able to provide for you? Why are you asking me now again, you know, what are we going to drink? Where is the water? Give us water to drink. Didn't you learn anything from those experiences? Why are you testing God? So what was the lesson they needed to learn? The lesson of trust, verses 4 to 6. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. So you can feel the tone now that Moses is quite fearful actually. He's like, oh, this thing has escalated. You know, we have seen over the last two years how you know, things can certainly escalate, how volatile uh, crowdfunding, not crowdfunding, uh, crowdfunding can be. When you just say a wrong word or at a wrong time and things can escalate. Right? So that's why the social, social media platform, it's, it's just a platform that's ripe for inciting things. So for you and me as, as responsible users, we really need to, be, uh, to exercise prudence, uh, wisdom, restraint. See, when something comes to us, we need to fact check before we either post or forward because we don't know the damage that those words that may seem nothing uh, but with the right amount at the right time it will blow up and so so Moses is fearing that everybody is saying now same thing it's going to escalate you know he's going to get into trouble they are ready to stone me and then the Lord said to Moses verse 5 pass on before the people now he, they have, he has to do something before the people right taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So what was the lesson? Here it was not just a lesson or a test for Israel. It was a test also for Moses here. Whether Moses would be faithful to obey God, even though that instruction could be ridiculous. He was asked to use that staff, strike on the rock, and then water will gush out. What happens if water didn't gush out? You know? He'll be in a laughing stock. Not only that, he will endanger his life. And so he was supposed to show as an example to the rest of Israel that even if God gave a very funny, you know, ridiculous instruction, they needed to follow it. So this same test happened later on in their journey. And, and Moses was again confronted with the possibility of water from a rock. But that's for another sermon, another message. Okay, so what is the testimony here? So God said, 
water, water came out. Moses followed to the T, things happened. So this was a testimony not for, this was a testimony that's going to be against Israel for the rest of their life. You know. It would be a historical mark, a historical mark actually in their life. Verse 7, and Moses called, he called the name of the place Masa, testing, and Maribah, quarreling. These are the meanings of the words. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Yeah. Now that seems like a very innocent question. Is the Lord among us or not? But they were not really asking if God's presence was there. Because he was indeed there. They followed the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The presence and the glory of God was still there. So they were not asking, is his presence there? And they were not asking, is he able to do something? You know, is the Lord among us to do something? Because they have seen how powerful God is, how sovereign he was. He can, bring, he can, he can send food from heaven. He can bring water from any place. You know? He could do that. So what were they actually asking? Is the Lord among us? What are they asking? They're asking this question. Is, if God is among us, doesn't he care for us? You know? Doesn't he see that we're in trouble? Doesn't he know and feel that we are thirsty? Doesn't he know and care? And this is the question that is not an innocent question. Because actually, uh, to prefer the preference of either one, you believe in God or you do not believe. Let's say you do not believe in God. Okay, that's one, one group. You don't believe in God. That is actually not as bad uh, as believing in God and that he is not a good God. And that's the problem. Believing in God, but you doubt that God is a good God. You doubt that He cares for you. And you know, this always, when you, when you ever feel like that, there's always a, a, a person, you know, a, a, person, a personification. There's always Satan there who's just happy to fuel you, you know, to, to give you more, more water to plant that seed of doubt. You say, yeah, yeah, God doesn't, doesn't care, you know, He doesn't care for you. Or something you did, you know, something you did that God is never going to help you, you know. So when you doubt God's goodness, it's time to level up your faith. You know? Level up your faith. Is the Lord with you? It's not a question about whether He's with us. He is with us. When two or three are gathered, He is here in our midst. We know that. But the question is, does He care for you? Does He care for you? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4. Listen, eh? Paul is talking about this story of Israel's beginning journey. He said, for I do not want you, talking to, telling us, to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. Listen, verse, uh, end of verse 4, 4b, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. You know, and that rock was Christ. So not only was Christ the bread from heaven, which he said, you know, I'm the bread from heaven. The bread that your fathers ate, I was the bread from heaven. But he's saying that I'm also the water from that rock. You know. Jesus is both the bread and the water. And so we really have access to spiritual nourishment. And this spiritual rock followed them. Never once did he abandon them. He was always close by, ready to answer their cries. And so if the Lord did not seem to be swift in his answer. It wasn't because he didn't care. It wasn't because he was not good. But there was a reason. The reason was to test their faith and to see whether they would trust in him 
no matter what. No matter what. Can we do that? Do we trust in God when we don't get our answers the way we like the answers? We need to trust that God is with us. Not because He's with us, because He is for us. God is with us because He is for us. And so today, as I close this time, I want to invite the worship team back. I want to you know, ask and, and to pray with you, of course, that if some of you here today, as you listen to this story, you, you can identify with what is going on in the lives of Israel. And that if truth be told, you, you are nursing a grumbling spirit. I don't know who is it against. Maybe, ultimately, if you're a child of God, maybe, you know, maybe you, you dare not put it in words, but maybe you're really pointing to God and say, Lord, you know, I, I'm not happy. There is a grumbling spirit. Especially over the last two years, things have been tough, you know. Things that you wanted, things that you hoped for, it didn't pan out and didn't plan out the way you, you wanted. And so there's an unsettledness, there's a grumbling in your spirit. And I want to pray for you that you find that Yahweh is really the healer. He's the restorer. He's the mender. He's the one who stitches things together. You know? He's the one who redeems. And so nothing is ever lost or forsaken or broken when we come to Him. So I don't know if you have a grumbling spirit today. I want to pray with you. The second group I want to pray for, and those of you, you, you know, you just living on stale, stale bread instead of the, 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 the daily provision that God wants for you, the fresh provision that God has for you. But you're just barely, you know, existing there. And you can't remember when was the, long, when was the last time you really heard God or you read the word of God and there was a fresh revelation of God's word to you. And if you didn't have that as a habit, this two years of COVID would have depleted everything that you had because you were living off sustenance that was for the past. Today, is a new, you have new challenges. Today, you have new, you need God's feeding. You need God's food in your life. You need God's resources. And so if you are just living, and I, you cannot say, Pastor, that really I have a relationship with God, that He is my God. You can't say that honestly. I want to pray with you also. And there's a third group I want to pray for. And before I pray for, yeah, I would like the, you know, the, the worship team to lead us. But there's a third group I want to pray for. Those who, of you who feel that you've been abandoned, you know, abandoned by God. Somehow, you know, you know, has God passed you by? Has God left you to your own devices? Is He for me? Is God good? Is He really loving, as the Bible says? And you feel that maybe He has passed you by. But I want you to know, the Bible says that God never leaves. You know, he does not leave us nor forsake us. You know. If He doesn't seem to be answering as He did before, you know, it's not because He's not there for you. The Lord's delays are not His denials. Maybe he's testing us. Maybe he's proving our faith to see whether we trust in him or not.
I invite all of us to stand in the presence of God as we continue to reach out to God. And if you know the words of the song, you just close your eyes, you know, and, and, and talk to God. And talk to God. He is your God. You. 
God is in this place. And Father, you have come through your Son and by your Holy Spirit to give us a fresh provision this evening. Let our eyes remain closed. You know, I want us to respond to the Word of God today, the lessons that God is teaching us today. And so no one should be looking. I'm going to ask if you are the one, you know you're nursing a grumbling spirit, a spirit of complaint, and there's this discontent in you. Somehow you're not happy where you are. You don't realize that the Lord is your healer. He, he is the one who can turn things around. He's here really for you. And you say, Pastor, pray for me. If you're that person, I just want you to quickly put up your right hand and just put it down so that I know. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. Yes, I see some of your hands. Yes. Yes, thank you for those hands. You can put it down. Or that the Lord will cure you of that spirit of complaining, of grumbling. Amen. Second group I want to pray for, those of you, you know you're living, you know you're living on, on yesterday's manner, yesterday's word, yesterday's promises, and it's not enough for today. And you say, Pastor, I can't honestly stand there and say that I have a living relationship, a vital relationship with God. I may have it before, but I can't say that I have it now. I'm not living by the Word of God. I'm not living daily by the Word of God. Pray for me that I may know the Lord my God. And if you're that person, yes, also put up your hand. Your right hand quickly. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I see those hands. Yes. Yeah, come, just come before the Lord. Don't be shy. God is here. You say, God, I really need, I can't live another day on yesterday's word, on yesterday's promises. I need something fresh. Give me a fresh word from you. And the last group I want to pray for, those of you who feel somehow you have been abandoned, forsaken, you don't feel that God answers you. It's, you don't know why, but you feel that you've been abandoned by God. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Yeah, just put up your right hand quickly also. If there's you, if there's one here, yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Let's look, look to the God in prayer. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. Father, you said that you are the Lord, our healer. And we just take your word for it, God. Life has been tough. Life has been bitter. And life has caused us to be bitter people. And Lord, we are ready, so ready to complain and so ready to grumble and so ready to show our dissatisfaction. But today, Father, heal us. Heal our hearts. Do something in us that only you can do to tell us that God, you are more than all the things that we have lost. You are the restorer of everything that has been lost. Everything that has uh, been broken, you are there. You are there to stitch back all things, oh God. And so for those of my brothers and my sisters, they put up their hands, they say they need you, Lord, to be their healer. Heal them right now, God. And those of us who can't say that they have a vital living relationship with God, that you're God in their lives right now. Thank you for what you have done in their past and they can always look back at how good you are. But today, they don't have a vital relationship. They're not living by the Word of God. Not the fresh Word, they're living on yesterday's manner. And in time, the yesterday's manner will be spoiled and they will stink and it will be not enough for today. So I pray today, God, that they will commit themselves to you and say, Lord, you know, the day has challenges, but Jesus said, do not worry about the challenges of today. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, I'm here for you. I know what you need, but I must be God in your life. I must be your God. 
and then you can reap the benefits of just being my child. So I pray for those that God, that today they will renew their relationship with God. That they are God. They can call you God, Abba Father. You are my God. And for the third group, finally, Lord, those of us who, among us who feel that we've been abandoned, somehow they've asked for you and they don't see answers, they don't see results, and they think maybe you have left them behind. But God, your word said you never leave us, you never forsake us. And if there's a reason for that delay, it's not because you are denying them. There's something you want us to learn so that we will not just get from you and not learn about who you are in our lives. So today, Father, we come, out, come before you and say, God, change us. Help us. Let, it, let, let whatever testing we're going through reveal that we really have trust in you. That really Reveal that we really have faith in God. That we're not here for what we can get. We are here for you, oh God. And we want to live this life and want to move on even better than the example that we have in the book of Exodus and how they fail you again and again and we will fail you again and again but we are learning from their examples we are learning from their instructions so we thank you today that you are God who is able to give us fresh provision and everyone said Amen, Amen.